0: Hey team, it's Ando here. 2022 is a big year for Australian rugby, and we at Pick and Drive Rugby want to be in the thick of it, but we need your support. We want to attend post-match press conferences to ask your questions. We need more interviews with players and coaches to give you the insights that you want into the game they play in heaven. And we want better recording equipment to create a superior listening experience for you. If you like what we do, and let's be honest, even if you don't,
1: please consider
0: getting involved in sending us a tip. All donations will be put straight back into the podcast. We do this for love, not money, but every little bit counts. So please go to ko-fi-coffee.com slash rugby. You can give us $1, you can give us 5 whatever is within your budget, we would be incredibly appreciative for. Thank you for your support. Let's get back to the pod. <laughs>
2: back to the inside
1: here to Sarma, who's quick looking for
2: hi there and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby We are the people's podcast providing a platform for rugby lovers to come together and support the game that's played in heaven. Match reviews, play interviews, quality rugby chat that is consistent and positive. We do it all for you, our dear listeners. I'm your host, Mitch, and joined, as always, by Ando. Ando, how are you this week?
0: Very good. Happy to be here. Glad to chat rugby.
2: All right. Uh, We're back for another week. For those just tuning in, well, it's the beginning of the podcast, so you would be just, or everyone would be just choosing in, but this is our (laughs) Melbourne Rebels preview episode. Uh, At time of recording, we don't have an interview lined up. We're hoping something will come out later in the week, but... At this point, we are changing the way we've been doing it for the last few weeks in terms of our sort of structure. So this will come out on Monday morning, recording on Sunday night. Normally, we do our interviews on Monday and our previews on Wednesday. Hopefully, we can get something lined up from the Rebels we're, later we're in the we're week. We're pretty confident.
0: Release. We're pretty confident that'll come come across. So we're, we're in talks with them and we're excited to hopefully get a pretty big person from the Melbourne Rebels to have a chat. So uh, keep your eyes peeled and we'll have more news for you soon on that front
2: fantastic looking forward to that now um we will go through well what we're doing tonight so we do have some trials that happened over the weekend so there was well two trials this weekend and the previous week the rebels played the Indrua. so we'll talk a little bit about those uh and then we'll dive into our preview for the melbourne rebels i have a little bit of a trivia section for ando to kick things off to sort of test his knowledge on the melbourne rebels and then we'll get into our preview anything you wanted to say before we sort of dive into stuff ando I am incredibly intimidated by the fact that it's just me doing trivia because, yeah. you
0: know, when you get put on the spot for a question and you just freeze and like, we have those mental blank moments like once every week and it's the two of us doing it. So, you throwing a few questions at
2: me, mate, I'm I'm intimidated, but I'm also looking forward to it. So, yeah, let's, let's give it a go. It's all right. I've gone multiple choice this week. So, I've given you some options. So, at least you've... You've got a one in three chance of getting it right. A one in three—that is brilliant. I'll just go see every time. Okay, cool. Ready to win. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go through our, the trial games first. And so, um, why don't you you take us through that little bit, Andrew? Yeah, cool.
0: So we had um, last weekend uh, the Drua base the rebels so the rebels flew over to fiji and had a game in front of a packed out crowd and the Drua won the match 24 to nil the rebels players had to do a nutty run around the oval after the game because of the embarrassment of not scoring a single point within the match uh but from all accounts it was very much a trial game. So the game was played in quarters. The conditions were hot and steamy as is unsurprising this time of year for Fiji. And there was a large um, rotation of players throughout the whole squad.
2: Was it hot and steamy? From reports, it was at the beginning. And I think like in the 15th minute, the heavens opened up and it just poured consistently. So that was one of the things that Kevin Foote said after the game that they have the the Rebels haven't trained in that type of play weather before like there hasn't been that much rain in Melbourne in the last few weeks so there's <laughs> it was quite foreign to them uh, and as you would know Endo, from your chat with Mick Byrne, they've also been under the pump with the weather and they've been sort of forced indoors in this in their preseason prep so in some ways I think that might have played into the the Drew's hands a little bit but um, definitely not a good result by the rebels at all not even being able to kick a penalty goal or a field goal is kind of concerning. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the times what we
0: find... uh, By the way, there's no footage of this game out at the moment, so we haven't been able to see this game. But what often happens within trial matches is um, teams will turn down penalty opportunities and just go yeah. go for the line so they can practice their line out and practice them all and and just get some um opportunities to go through the movements there so look i mean as always you can't read too much into trials it is a little bit worrying looking at it externally from a rebel's perspective yeah. but at the same time it's a trial a few weeks out, and all the um, top Wallabies players either weren't playing or are still coming back from injury. So yeah, it's very much not the Rebels' best team.
2: Yeah, all right. Definitely. Moving on. Now then. we'll also move.
0: Yep, let's move on to the Force versus the Reds. So the Force played the Reds over in Perth in stupidly hot conditions on Saturday night, and they went down ten to forty-five against a. Uh, A Queensland Reds team, again, there's no footage for this game beyond a little analysis clip that the Queensland Reds have put up. Um, Supposedly, live stream hasn't made it to the force yet, Um, made it over to Mm -hmm. Perth, but I'm sure they'll get there in the next decade. But um, one of the things that became incredibly apparent was just the speed and accuracy of a lot of the play and the heads-up with the combinations they had so Fraser McWright and Harry Wilson were absolutely brilliant together Kalani Thomas was playing scrum half and he had a little kind of turn and acceleration through a half gap at the back of a line out which was impressive I haven't seen that speed from him before and that really Mm. really excited me so there were some really really good moments um uh, up, upcoming fly half, Harry McLaughlin Phillips, who was playing on the wing for the first time, playing for the Reds, bagged two tries. And one of them was absolutely incredible. Uh, I think it was a crossfield kick and the ball was, had bounced and was going out. He jumps out of the field yeah. of play, throws the ball back into a Reds player and then manages to kind of like sprint up the sidelines and be in position to get the returning pass to then run through and get the try. It was, it was just brilliant. Absolutely loved it. And I mean... Yeah
2: it's in a 2 minute highlights clip. So, uh any thoughts that you had from this game? Uh I mean as you said, we've only seen the the highlight clip. So we haven't we don't get too much of a read. We do have something coming up shortly from um Simon who is our Western West Australian correspondent who was on the ground for us on the day, but just from the clips that I saw and it was a Queensland Reds heavy clip, but the defense from the Western Force did not look up to scratch at all. There was one try particularly where I think it was Fraser McWright either made the, got the try or set it up heavily. Uh, even with Harry Wilson, they just went through about six or seven players who just, no one was there to make the hit, put the play to ground and they just ran through them. So um worrying from the Western force there from a defensive uh, perspective, I guess also, I mean, and again, we've only got the clips to look at and from, some of the tries that were scored by the Reds, when you look at the plays that were on the field for the Western Force, it was looking like a pretty like not first choice but like a pretty stacked te- uh, team that Isaac Wada was out there. Uh, Fleeti Kai too was out there. Their, their starting um, pack Hagerty. was
0: their, their starting pack was essentially their first team. So it was Robertson, Fainga, uh, Madrano, Jeremy Williams, Isaac Rotter, Tim Anstey, Ollie Callan, Michael Wells. So that's essentially your starting pack. But then you get to the back line, yep. and the back line was a mixture. So it was Pryor, Hamish Stewart at ten, which is interesting. Zach Kiribiji at eleven, George Pullman and Sam Spink at twelve and thirteen respectively, with Martielli and Strawn at fourteen and fifteen. So it was interesting to see Spink get time at 13 that's kind of what i predicted when we did the um when we did the western force preview but yeah uh, one of the things that simon mentions actually no we won't spoil the fun but supposedly the forwards actually held their ground quite well but it was just the cohesion within the back line that led to a lot of the yep. opportunities for the reds
2: well that led us nicely so let's get into our um our correspondence notes from the game Listeners,
1: Simo here down at McGilfray Oval. The uh, Force vs Reds trial has just wrapped up. It was an end score of forty-three to ten in the Reds' favour. Forty-five to ten. <laughs> uh, first ten minutes or so, was Force looked very on time. top of things. They were looking to play without the ball, very physical at the breakdown, uh, and keeping the Reds pinned in their back uh, field of their play. Quite quickly, the Reds managed to turn the table uh, with really good runs from Fluke, Henry, Dalgunu, Pattaya, just slicing through a young, inexperienced centre combination. Uh, notable from the force, Ollie Callan with many, many good steals, looking quite Pocock esque in many ways. Uh, another big part of the game was the Western Force were very much so on top of the scrums and the lineouts. Uh, with Medrano absolutely monstering Xander several times in the scrum and earning the penalty, as well as a few good turnovers in the lineouts from the force. Unfortunately, unable to capitalize on it. Every time we got the ball, we seemed to make a spill, which the Reds managed to capitalize on very well. A lot of work ons for, uh, for the force, but uh, the Reds, uh, a lot of their big players, really standing up and asking Eddie for some sele- selection. Uh, Harry Wilson really looking like a willed, uh, leader on the field and uh, having some big runs, big carries and telling uh, telling the force players what they should be doing. Uh, Fraser McWright played the full 90 minutes and was an absolute menace out there. Lots of good running, lots of good interchange, couple of good steals. Really looking forward to seeing how he plays this season, seeing uh, selection is somewhat wide open
2: fantastic yeah. so thanks simon for that little update from the from the game on the ground doing the work that the western force weren't able to do in terms of getting a stream up and running so for those uh that were playing long at home that's a little bit of post max post match action there anything that sort of comes and... out to you from what simon was saying yeah, I just want to jump in quickly before I speak specifically to what he
0: said was um, one of yep. the things that Simo did for us, which he was an absolute legend for, was on our Discord server, which, by the way, everybody should jump on board and join. He was actually doing live text updates for the game for us um, in one of the threads there covering the match. So it was as the best that we could do as though you were there at the game. And we really, really encourage you to jump on board. The uh, community is building really, really well in discord chat lots of great conversations Man, some rugby related it was quite not. evident
2: yes. as well that he was on the cans because i think it, it started in english and i think we finished <laughs> in like pig latin or something so but he that's was definitely that's exactly
0: day. what you want that's exactly yep. what you want um now in terms of what simo actually shared i mean there's no higher praise than being kind of labeled as pocock-esque for ollie callan mm. um and he did have a really strong 2022 so i'm keen to see how he goes and develops this year he's got a pretty big challenge of Kane kateka gunning for his spot as well so um, they shared some minutes across uh, this trial game but the point that he made about Fraser McWright I mean you watch that highlights package and Fraser McWright just looked physical incredibly fast and excellent with his linking play and that's that's kind of what we want to be seeing from um, from our seven he's also strong defensively as well as we're all aware so I'm not saying he's unseating Michael Hooper but he's doing a really good job pushing his case in the first opportunity he's had in 2023. So let's hope he can develop it moving forward from here. Let's move on to the Waratahs versus Brumbies, the final trial game that we'll be chatting about before we then get into. Um, Do we need a, to chat
2: about bit, this one?
0: Yeah, no, I don't think there was a game actually make... in Griffith. I don't think anything actually happened. No. Um, but unfortunately, yeah. the Waratahs went down 26 to 31 in Griffith. And it was great to see a really good crowd get out there and a whole bunch of past and present um, players and supporters of the game turning up to Griffith to support the game of rugby out West. So... From all accounts, well, I've watched the game as well, but from all accounts, it was really, really hard fought. Um, Incredibly strong moments from both teams what was really impressive was the continuity in the Brumbies forwards play, despite the fact that it was a much changed team. Mm -hmm. So it just shows the consistency of the uh, coach, the approach to coaching and training that they have, that even when there's a fair few new players coming into the forwards, particularly, they're still able to execute really well in the mall defense and and malls as well. So really, really impressive on their end. The Waratahs is, I thought looked quite good when they were playing second man plays at the back from the first playmaker. Um, they had a few really good moments. And that, I think that came from having both Donaldson and Edmund on the field at the same time. So having them at 10 and 12 together meant that it wasn't just requiring one of them to call the shots the entire time. And quite impressive was the way that they were looking to get their arms through the tackle or do the do the little offload to a player steaming onto it. So there were some good moments there. Um, any any concerns that you had from this game, considering the waratahs went down, or do you just put it down to it's a trial? Some good signs, some work ons, blah blah.
2: Yeah, look, I haven't um I haven't had I didn't I was out on Saturday afternoon, so I didn't get a chance to sort of sign up for the seven dollar uh, bar TV subscription to get a, a replay of this, but I've seen the highlights reel that came out, which was mostly the tries. Um, and I guess one thing that kind of is concerning a little bit to me, and what are we three weeks ish out from round one, we do play the Brumbies first is the amount of tries that the Brumbies conceded through maul, um, And that's one area where, and I know we don't have our Wallabies players, all of them playing for the Waratahs and we're not, um, we don't have our co- cohesive pack on the field at all the time, but the amount of uh, points that we gave away from just some pretty poor ma- uh, maul defense was really not good enough at this level. And so that's one area that I'm kind of worried about leading into round one that if, we're not able to put in a strong effort in that area and that's something that we would have been training for and should be training for come round 1 um then we're probably going to be hurt by that um in saying that Tolu Latu looked pretty uh pretty good from the small engagement yep. that I saw from him he threw a pretty yep. straight line out scored one try himself um Tetra Faulkner also scored a try through the middle which was cool to see um a prop in full flight so From the little bits and pieces that I've seen from the highlights, um, again, it doesn't really give you a full indication of the performance of the team, but um, again, and like we've said for both of these games, or all three really, you can't take a lot out of trial form really. Like some Mm. players haven't played for quite a few months and so looking a little bit rusty. Players out of position, Edmet in the centers, seems to work well for this game, but who knows what will happen if you put him in there at super rugby level, so um yeah interesting to see what happens come round one uh, even next week really the waratahs go to narrabri to play queensland reds and from what the sort of coaching staff have said the waratahs are looking to name a pretty strong squad if not their round one squad so yeah interesting yep. To see yep. so, happens um jason gilmore in the chat that
0: i had if you haven't heard that go back and listen it was a really really good conversation mentioned that um some of the key wallabies just will not be playing they've got st- um they'll be within the stand-down requirements where they just don't play any of the trials. So it'll be, in most most likely, the best available squad that they could be putting out. Now, a couple of points for players, individuals, that I just wanted to highlight. A uh, bit concerning, Dylan Peach went down in the first three or four minutes with what looked like a uh, quad or a groin injury. So he um, got an intercept, stepped off his right foot to cut inside the defending player, and uh, basically fell to the ground clutching his right upper kind of quad area and then hobbled off afterwards. I haven't seen any updates from the team about that yet, but that's concerning considering the form that he had last year and for Australia A. Now, we do have some pretty good replacements in Nwanganito Wase and Namani Nandolo, but at the same time, the back three isn't particularly stacked considering that kirtley bill isn't available um anymore so that's just something to keep an eye out on that being said corey tool for the brumbies was very very strong got two tries one of them just showing his sheer pace uh compared to his opposite number at the time uh max jorgensen put in a b- good shift for the 15 for the waratahs at 15 caught out of position a few times defensively particularly with uh, kick returns and the like but Seemed to hold himself well in the defensive duties when making his tackles and was heavily involved for a couple of the Tars tries. So, look, there are a few other players. Lockie Swinton came back and played most of the game after after his shoulder injury last season. Um, There's a few other players we can name. But overall, good to get some uh, metres under the legs of the players and very excited to see the next game against the Reds because I think they'll be better for it. Anything else you want to say? Or do we want to move on to the trivia that you have prepared?
2: No, i think we can move on i'm looking forward to it so let's uh let's move to the trivia section now and then we'll dive into our melbourne rebels preview all right let's go all right it's time to start our trivia section for the melbourne rebels this week so we're doing trivia i've got five questions for you ando each question gives you one point. We'll tally up your points at the end, see if you can go five mm-hmm. for five. Um, and each question... Now, I've got a question. I've got an option for you. Each yeah. question is multiple choice. Do you need the answers yep. or do you want to have a crack? Um, if I have absolutely no idea, then I'll ask for the multiple choice. Okay. All right. I'll give you then. I'll give you double points if you can answer the question without a prompt. All right. So, okay, maximum of 10 so
0: is on offer. Maximum of 10 maximum points of I can 10. get. All right, everybody play That's along right. at home. If you can get better than me, please jump on to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and mock me mercilessly. Let's go.
2: Please do. Please do. All right, what year was the Rebels first season in Super Rugby? Oh god. Um would it
0: have been about 2000 and
2: Now just, just... do you want do you want the option for half points? To get no, one point, no, or to. do you want to get it wrong and get no points? Wrong. I'll just get it wrong.
0: Uh, let's go. So, if the force got kicked out, then, then then let's go 2008. No. Eh. Damn it. What was it? Not right.
2: 2011. Oh, damn. Okay, cool. All right. Number two. Uh, who was the Rebels inaugural captain? Oh, was it Stowing it was. So two points Get there. in. Come on. <laughs> uh, number three, the rebels first super rugby victory was over the Brumbies in round two, 2011. What was the score? Now I will give you the options this time because that's going to be ridiculously hard, but which of yeah. these three options was the final score in their first victory in super rugby? Is it a okay. 25 to 24 mm-hmm. B 26 to 25, or C, 26, 24? It's got to be C. The answer for multiple choice is always C. Uh, No, it's not actually. It's A, 25 (laughs) to 24. (laughs) Oh God, that was a hard one, my friend. That was a hard one. That was a hard one. That's why I gave the options there. Okay. Who is the Rebels leading point scorer? Oh, leading point scorer. It's now, do you want probably... the three options, or do you mm, want to just get them
0: wrong? Yeah, yeah. Give me, give me, give me the options.
2: Okay, I'll tell you so who I'm A, thinking. I'm James thinking O'Connor.
0: Matt Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. A James O'Connor.
0: Yeah. B yeah. Reese Hodge, or yeah. C Will Genia. It wouldn't be Genia because he didn't take kicks. So, with that in mind, it's going to be Hodge or
2: O'Connor. I don't
0: think O'Connor was there for long enough, so I'm going to go Reese Hodge.
2: Correct. Well done. Get in. Uh, that's one point for that one because you you got yep. the the options. I'll take it though. I'll take and it. And last point, you're currently sitting on three points, three from ten. Uh, last point, what? Well, last question: Where did the Rebels record their first away Super Rugby victory? Uh, Do you want the options?
0: Yeah. So if this is 2011, I'm assuming. So
2: yeah. Okay, well, their so first their first victory was at home. So, where mm-hmm. do they record their first away Super Rugby victory? A, okay. Perth, yep. B, Brisbane, or C, Canberra? I doubt that they would have beaten the
0: Brumbies at home. Reds away in They beat the Brumbies 12. in their first... Yeah, yeah, I know, but there's a difference just between beating them at home just and beating them away. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm so, just saying, just I'm going to go Force to start that uh, Force-Rebels
2: rivalry. Correct. So that's guess, yeah, I'll give you yeah. a point for that one. So it was per awesome. So yep. you got four out of ten. Mate, I'll take that.
0: I'll bloody well take that. Okay. Um, so I've got a question for you, and I haven't prepared this, prepared you for this at all. Okay. So this is um a question, and I am asking you which player in the current 2023 Melbourne Rebels squad has the most international caps in all forms of the Game of
2: Rugby Union. In all forms of Game of Rugby Union. So, that includes sevens and fifteens. Twenty-twenty-three squad. Mm. Um, I'm going to go with Lockie Anderson.
0: Congratulations, my friend. He has 151 sevens caps. So, uh, that... Absolutely poops all over the next best, which is Reese Hodge, which hit with his 63 international 15s caps.
2: Well, I mean, I guess it depends who you ask, because I'm sure if you ask Rev uh, whether those sevens caps count, <laughs> he'll probably vomit in a bucket somewhere. So
0: yeah, but he's got a tender stomach, so we try not to like mention sevens around him too much. Anyway, mate, that was good <laughs> fun. Thank you for that, and um, for everybody playing along at home fun. or in the car, then please make sure that you um you you post your scores on our announcement of this pod getting released. We'd we'd love to hear from that. So for now, we are going to be jumping into the pre-season conversation around the Melbourne Rebels. And we're very, very excited to be doing this. Um, We've got through a couple of the Super Rugby teams already, and now it is the Rebels' turn. So let's start off with a review of their 2022 season. So they had 14 games, they played, they won four, lost 10, placing 10th outside of the finals competition. Now, that by any stretch of the imagination was not a good season. And unfortunately, that means that all of our conversation on this review of their last 2022 season is going to be a little bit negative. But unfortunately, it's just the way that it is. So a couple of key games or key points within the season were the... Initial was the initial five game losing streak against the Australian competition, the Australian side of the conference. um They lost their first five games before they finally got a win against the Drua and then backed it up again away against the Force. Um, now, with that, looking back at the start of the season, do you remember how frustrated Michael Wells was getting as captain and uh, how it seemed like <laughs> things were not happy down in Melbourne at the start of 2022?
2: Oh, definitely. It was almost like he didn't want to be doing the post match interviews. And every time he did do one, he took his headgear off and almost threw it on the on the ground in in anger and then was just saying things like, It's not good enough, you know, we're not we're not doing what we need to be doing. We're not doing what we're talking about. And it was just absolutely filthy at his players. So um there was a lot of frustration there, and a lot of frustration, I think, internally as well, not just uh from him doing those interviews, but like you could see it in the players. After the games, the you know hands on hips and just looking around, very dissatisfied with what was sort of going on in Melbourne at that time. Mm,
0: mm. And unfortunately, that comes down to kind of the nature of some of their losses as well. Some of the some of the losses were really really poor uh, within within those first five games. And one of the things that I just want to really highlight is the Blues' loss, uh, the loss to the Blues away. So they lost seventy one to twenty eight, and for that to be happening in Super Rugby with two established teams. It's not like it's the first season for the Drua or Moana. This is an established, consistent team that's been around for eleven years by this point. Thank you for that trivia item. um It's just it should not have been the case. And for me, it was an incredible yeah. low point within the season. Although from a personal perspective, I was really, really happy because Mark talaya and Kurt Eklund had absolutely incredible games, and they were in my fantasy team. So I was very happy about that but what do you (laughs) what do you make of some of those heavy losses that the rebels endured early on i mean we know that dave vessels uh basically departed the club right before this point was it a kind of drop in morale that led to this result and and the poor run of games
2: what do you what do you point it towards look it's really difficult when you look at a team like the rebels or the force for how they've sort of fared in super rugby in the last two years like out of all of the teams in super rugby, particularly the Australian ones. And when you look at, uh, super rugby AU in 2020 as well, those teams were forced to play the majority of the season, particularly 2021 away from home. Like the rebels were Mm -hmm. based in, uh, was it Coogee? I I think it was, or, um, somewhere terrible maybe in in New South Wales, they were based away from home for like eight or nine weeks at a stretch. And they left, at the last minute like if you listen to the interview that Dave uh, that uh, Kevin Foot had with um with the Raw a few weeks ago some of the things he was saying is just how stressful that was on not only the players but the coaches as well that they left Melbourne overnight one night because they yep. had to play the next game and didn't know when they were coming back and so they were yep. kind of just on FaceTime with family and friends and sort of saying and wives and loved ones saying when are you coming home and we don't know uh, we just need to be able to play the rest of this season and then hopefully we'll come home when it's done. And so that definitely has a toll on the players, not only in their performance, but just in their prep and their their downtime and their mental well being. So I think you can sort of look, you can see that is starting to have effect now. Um, the decision by Dave Vessels to step away, the decision by Tim Sampson, or I don't know if that was necessarily his choice to step away from the Western force, but I think that buys into it as well. He has now popped up, bit of a, um, uh, a preview coming up, but he's now popped up as the assistant coach for the Rebels this year. So he's still in Super Rugby. But I do think that there is a lot to sort of take out of the effect that COVID has had on this team. And mm. some of these players as well, they've been away from friends and family for so long and they're not performing well. They're not getting wins. It, there's not much really to sort of cling to and to be optimistic about if you're getting pumped week in, week out and you're away from your, 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 your center and your base. And I
0: think that's what we saw. Um, I spent about an hour today going through the highlights packages for all the games of the Rebels across all of this season, or of 2022. Um, just, just the short highlights ones. And the thing that I noticed is so many of the tries that opposition teams scored came from weak or missed tackles. And it was just the... Almost that lack of being mentally switched on when the fatigue starts to hit, that better teams across the competition are able to do. And the Rebels seem to really be struggling to stay in games in those tight moments. And I don't put it down to individual players um, not caring because they're professionals. Of course, they want to win every game. I think what you're talking about there about the mental load and the stress that the last couple of years had taken upon the players and the experience that they've had, uh, combined with the coaching difficulties that the club was experiencing as well, I think all came together to r- result in those poor performances in moments that really mattered. Now, there were a couple of good performances. One point that I'd like to say on that,
2: yep. on that yep, one area before we sort of move on, uh, and it's one of the key takeaways that we've got noted there as well, is you can also see from the Wallabies players too, like the players who you expect... To stand up and put in big performances for the for the rebels mm. weren't doing it last year. Reese Hodge was kind of all over the place, and he was overplaying his hand. He gave away what is it? I think it was the second game of the season. He gave away two yellow cards, resulting in a red card for a knock for both knockdowns or intercepts, and then ended up getting a few weeks off from that. Uh, the coaching staff as well didn't do any favors to a player like Andrew Kellaway by playing him all over the place. He played wing, he played fullback, he popped up in the centres. It was yep. a very haphazard approach to performance and selection last year. Um, and I know COVID wasn't as big a factor for the Rebels in 2022 as it was in 2021 and 2020, but you can definitely see that some of that hangover was definitely still affecting those players, um, yep. even just with the injuries that they were picking up as well. Uh, Trevor Hosea and and um, some of those other players. Rob Odo as well, Yeah, yeah. I think Rob Bioti got injured in Wallaby's camp, but he missed a bit of um, Super Rugby as well. And so they're big players. Like The problem with a club like the Rebels, and that's something I think we'll talk about in their squad moving forward, is that they don't necessarily have a lot of depth when it gets below that top line, that first choice players. They don't have a great amount of depth as a team like the Reds or the Waratahs do. And so you're then reliant on your your key players, your wallabies to step up and perform well. And if they're not performing well, the younger guys who are sort of playing around them are then kind of in no man's land. They don't have the experience to be able to take control. The players around them are sort of spiraling out of control and everything sort of goes to poop. And that's what we saw in 2022 for the Rebels. I think one of the key things, if you if you look back or
0: cast your mind back to the start of the season, there was a the question over whether it was going to be Carter Gordon or Matt Tuamua at 10. And that was a question that we were all basically saying that you basically need to pick and stick with Carter Gordon and maybe have Tuomua outside him at 12 to give him that opportunity to grow and develop in a role. Except Tuomua's form early on in the season wasn't particularly great. And Carter Gordon was um, not unsurprisingly hot and cold with his opportunities earlier on. So we we found that after the first few games within the season, he was actually shifted back onto the bench or out of the match day 23 altogether. He drops And Matt Tuomua was, was put yeah. in at 10. And you're like, Mate, he's one of the most promising fly halves in Australian rugby in terms of his kind of club form and the wraps that people are giving him. Matt Tuomua wasn't going to be sticking around for ages. You pick and stick him. And you just accept that you're probably not going to win the competition this year. But what about 2023? how 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 are we going to yeah. go in 2023 with a player with 14 games of experience rather than maybe 8 or 6 or whatever it is um so look let's move on to some of the positives now they did put in a couple of good performances after that Oof. first five game loss losing streak so the one against the Drua and the force of Drua was a good 42 to 27 win away oh sorry at home and then the first half of the Crusaders within the super round you were present down in Melbourne and you thought that was quite positive despite the fact that the second half, they got absolutely pumped. But the first half was good.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think final score was like 42 to 13 or something, but halftime score seven, three. So the rebels kicked a penalty right on half halftime to, to get three points on the board. But look, you can, I remember sitting in the crowd and, and sort of expecting the Crusaders to come out and put a hundred points on the, the rebels that week. And the fact that it was only seven, three at halftime, they were hanging in there. Now, there was a lot of errors by the Crusaders. They were pushing their hand a lot as well, and they were dropping a lot of ball, and they just were kind of uncharacteristically off. But they came back in the second half and did put in a good performance. But uh, I, I just remember just thinking, like, they were physically matching them. They were putting them under pressure. They were putting in big big hits and forcing the Crusaders to drop the ball and to, to sort of force the pass when the option wasn't necessarily on. Uh, unfortunately, they kind of went away from that in the second half, and that's what we ended up seeing um, but you know, for the first half, they did do quite well.
0: Brilliant. Well, um what, a couple of qu- things that we'll add in there, and then I think we'll start to move on to the squad and the like, and you can go through the forwards when we get to it. um If you look at the games that they actually won, it was against Fiji and Drua, the Force, Moana, and the Highlanders, and respectfully. They were all the teams that finished at the bottom of the competition. And so what that's demonstrating is despite some close run games where they lost only by one, two or three points, the rebels really struggled against the stronger teams within the entirety of the competition. And they need to be making sure that they are able to compete across all levels and against all the teams, because it's just not good enough to uh, only win Against the teams at your level, they need to try and take a couple of bigger scalps throughout the season. Now that's super obvious, but it's interesting to point out where their wins came from across the season. I think so. What do we move
2: now? The can argument to that sort of uh, that point is that first of all, uh, we do need to take be aware that Dave Vessel stepped away from the team in the break between the Trans Tasman crossover. So they had the five losses against all the Australian teams. Dave Vessel stepped away. Kevin Foote was named interim coach. And he saw them through the rest of the season. It was in the postseason that he was announced as head coach moving forward for the rebels Um, that had a lot of sort of machinations behind the scenes around that, like Kevin foot changed the way that they were, they were attacking the shape and we saw some improvement from that. Um, the other point I wanted to make around that too, was if you look at it at a team like the reds, um, who went into the second half of the season and didn't win, didn't get one win against a Kiwi team. Now the rebels did, they beat both the Highlanders and Moana Pacifica that the reds weren't able to do. So you can also sort of look at how getting the victory, getting the wins against the Australian teams is so important. And just one or two of those victories would have potentially pushed them up into that eighth place where then they're looking at sort of vying for that spot. Like the Western force were that eighth place with um, the Highlanders. So it, it is, it is like. I think it's just important to, to highlight that if they had one or one, one or two of their earlier games against the Australian contingent, they would have potentially had a better looking season overall. Right. All right. Good points. Let's move on to the squad. All right. So let's start with our um, signings and departures. So I'll go through the signings and I'll get you and to go through the departures. So the players and the coaches coming in. So first of all, Tim Sampson is coming across from Western force as the assistant coach. I think he's taking over the Fords. Um, I could be wrong there, actually. He's, he's an assistant coach in some capacity. I'm not sure how he fits into the the structure. Um, we've also got Sam Talakai, Alex Murphy, Anaru Rangi, uh, Tiani Tai Tuolima, Ryan Lowrens, uh, Ando's favorite, Monty Yuani, Jaden Christian, Theo Fori, Zach Hugh, David Fellui and David Vaihu.
0: Brilliant. Uh, Tim Sampson is the attack coach, Google tells me. Uh, so that's helpful. And then departures Michael Wells, Sefa Fagasi, James Hansen, Effie Maafu, Ross Hale Petty, Young Tonemapea, Gerald Skelton, Matt Toamua, Joe Powell, Josh Hill, Reese Van Neck, Tom Nolan, and Divad Palu. So when we um, have a look at all those, the experience that they're losing if it w- is really, really significant. So they have lost 617 super rugby caps worth of experience across all those players. So that's, that's really important for a team that struggles with the uh, consistency of recruitment and player retention to lose 617 caps in one season really matters.
2: And when you look at the players that they have lost, uh, take up the bulk of those experience, it's uh, Matt Totomua, James Hansen, Ross Petty, and Michael Wells. Like, those three and Joe guys Powell as well, four guys, Joe uh, and Joe Powell. Yeah, of course. How can I forget Joe Powell? Those four or five guys, they look. They've named players or they've signed players that are of good quality. Ryan Lowrens is um is a good scrum half, for example. But I don't think he he definitely doesn't have the amount of caps that a, a player like Joe Powell has, all the experience. Um, so it's not necessarily a like for like replacement with some of these guys. If we go through the signings, who are the players that sort of jump out at you who are going to b- bring in a really big injection for the Rebels this year? Um,
0: I think, well, you've got Alex Murphy and Anaru Rangi coming in, both as hookers, which I find pretty interesting. I'm surprised that Rangi's come in, considering Murphy has arrived as well. we'll come back, Yeah. I yeah. Yeah, that one's a little bit surprising. Uh, I really liked Andrew Rangi before he went over to Japan. I thought he was one of the best hookers going around in the Australian side of the competition, just in terms of his energy and dynamism as a ball player, not necessarily for the kind of core skills. Um, so that's that, that's an interesting one. I'd love to know more about forwards play and hookers and why they have um, those those three guys in the hooking stocks. Uh, but for me, the, the most important signing that they have is Monte Ioani. He is genuinely that classy strike player, like loads of European rugby experience, uh, well-known Italian international uh, experience as well. He's just going to provide a really good point of difference within the back three for the Rebels and that real star strike power that they have needed. Because as good as Andrew Kelleway and Reese Hodge are, neither of them are players that can kind of create something from nothing um, Andrew Keloway is one of yeah. the best finishers within the Australian game. And Reese Hodge has his own uh, utility and excellent op- uh, things that he brings. But he's not going to break the line, step past three players and score a, like worldie. It's just not going to happen. Whereas Monti can do that.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the uh, when we look at the departures, one of the players that jumps out to me and look, we've been talking about how he hasn't been performing maybe the last year or so is Matt Toamua. And when we look at the players they have signed, we don't really have a like-for-like replacement for him. And just the uh, utility player that he is for the backline, the experience that he brings—it, we'll, we'll talk about it as we get later into the sort of makeup of the squad for 2023. But I do have worries around their playmaking position now. That with mm. uh, Carter Gordon, like he—he he has potential and he's going to be a great player in coming years. But we saw last year that he's n- not quite up to Super Rugby level just yet. He's still a little bit green around the fins, and so we sort of, if he's having an off game, they don't have anyone else they can rely on. You don't really want to be shifting Reese Hodge into ten to take over from your play, your key playmaker. So um, it would have probably been good in hindsight to have a player like Matt Toomua, who is a bit of a an experienced player who could play ten to sort of take the heat off a little bit. Um, Jack Debrezzini, for example, would have been a great signing for this mm. young Rebels team. Um, he's, he played really well for the Brumbies in the trial over the weekend. And look, it's smart for the Brumbies to sign him for their squad, because if Noel Alessio gets injured, then there's a hole there. But at the same time, the same thing's happening for the rebels. Now they probably could have signed a player like him as well.
0: Well, why don't we move forward into the actual squad by position? I'll go through the forwards and then you can go through the backs. Uh, so the props, Jaden Christian, Kabusa Elof, Pony silly Matt Gibbon, Isaac Kalea, Cameron Orr, Sam Talakai. So in a general sense, it's it's quite a good prop. Um, and I shall go through the hookers as well, and then we'll talk about the front row as a whole. So Theo Furi, Alex Murphy, Anaru Rangi, and Jordan Wallesi. So those that front row is actually quite good and is actually quite strong, particularly yep. if Pone Falmasili can stay fit and healthy the entire season. And if so, then I think that they're going to be able to match it in terms of scrummaging ability and general just close in forward play with most of the teams across the competition.
2: I think uh, a player like Pone falmasili sort of what's exciting for the Rebels this year is they could use him like the Wallabies have used Taniel Tupou. If you put him on the bench and you bring him on 50 minutes into the game and just get him to run every single ball inside ball off the 10 for the last 30 minutes, no one's going to be able to stop him when he's coming up against tired defenders. It's going to be exciting to see. I do hope that he is able to stay fit and does have a big year because he's one of the players as well from a wallaby sort of perspective that's been around the squad for a number of years now. And when he gets his opportunities, he either ends up getting injured or he gets injured in camp and isn't able to get onto the field for the Wallabies. So like yeah. Willessi, um, in the hooking position, he's another player that has the tendency to pick up niggly injuries and sort of just keep him not at 100%. So if both of those players can have a good um, sort of prep into 2023 and sort of get their bodies right and have big impacts for the Rebels, uh, I think it's going to be a good thing for Australian rugby in general. Two other players just within the uh, front row that
0: I want to highlight. Matt Gibbon, obviously, getting his experience with Australia A and the Wallabies in 2022, so that's fantastic for him and the Rebels. But Cameron Orr as well, pod favourite. We absolutely love the man here. Hopefully, his moustache has been growing over the off-season. But you can't go <laughs> past Caboose Elof in terms of the kind of the cult hero that he became last season. I really hope he's got a sponsorship with Budgie Smugglers because he needs to make sure that he's wearing those hot pink Budgie Smugglers every single game. Now, locks and back row. Josh Cannam, Trevor Hosea, Matt Phillip, Tuani Tai Tuolima for the locks. Then back row is Richard Hardwick, Zach Hoff, Tamati Yuani, Josh Kemeny, Rob Liota, Daniel Mayava, and Brad Wilkin. couple of things I'll just quickly say before we start this conversation. Matt Phillip and Rob Liota. Most likely out for the entirety of the season. So Matt Phillip did his ACL in October and Rob Leota did his Achilles in September. So both of them are most likely missing the entirety of the season, which is massive, particularly for the locking stocks, and puts a huge amount of pressure on other players like Josh Cannon, who had a good year last year, but also Trevor Hosea returning from injury too. So do, any comments you want to make about the locks or the back row before we move on to the backs?
2: I just really uh, expect a big year from Brad Wilkin. He's another player who had a good breakout year in 2022 with Australia A. Um, our back row stocks in Aussie rugby are pretty well stocked at the moment, so he's going to find it difficult to sort of crack um, the Wallabies this year. But if he can sort of keep his head down, put in a good season for the Rebels, continue his sort of development in Aussie A, there's no reason why he can't make a Wallaby squad 2024 or feature quite heavily in 2025 when the Lions get here. Yeah, looking at the back row, it's actually a little bit
0: concerning in terms of the depth that they have, if there's one or two injuries. So number eight, so they have really only got Tamati Ioane, who's kind of like an out and out number eight, Josh Kemeny or Rob Liotta can play there, but Liotta's out. Um, and then when you look across the rest of it, I mean, to, uh, Tali Tualima has only got 12, oh, sorry, he's a lock. Um, Zach Hoff is an academy player that's come up and only has doesn't have any caps whatsoever. Daniel Mayada only got two um, games last season. So if any of the starting players get a long-term injury, then the depth to their back row is actually going to be tested quite significantly. And they don't really have any kind of like five, six hybrid players, players that can go between lock and back row because the the locking department will need some reinforcement throughout the season because they only have three locks within their listed squad considering that Matt Phillip is out. So I will that, that's just a bit um, of a highlight concern. as
2: well. The Rebels did announce uh, last week that they had signed three extra players. I think two of them were oh, um, development okay. players that were made, uh, highlighted into the first, well, uh, promoted into the first squad. I don't know if they're reflected in this template mm-hmm. or not. I did do this last week. So they might have a little, a bit more development there. Um, but yeah, what, what you're saying does definitely bear weight. Um, and one thing I would say, at a pinch, I do think Brad Wilkin could play eight and he'd be a similar sort of eight to maybe Harry Wilson um, at the Reds. So I could see him being that kind of big ball running sort of impact player as well. Um, let's move across into the back. So scrum half, we've got Moses Sorovi, James Tuttle, Ryan Lowrens, fly halves Carter Gordon, Mason Gordon, and Nick Joost. Uh Centres, David fai Stacey Ely, LeBron Nae, Rayan Nu'u, Lucas Ripley, and David Vaihu. Outside backs: Lockie Anderson, Reese Hodge, Monty Yuani Andrew Kelloway, Joe Pinkus, Glenn Vaihu, and um Um If we look at, we'll start with the scrum halves, and then we'll go through the fly halves. It's a bit of an interesting one to see who's going to be that starting scrum half come round one for the Rebels. All three of those guys are serviceable scrum halves. Probably, I mean. Realistically, they're all probably on similar kind of super rugby caps as well. Um, And none of them, I would say, are either outstandingly better than anyone else. If you were putting on your coaching hat at the moment, who would you be picking to start for the Rebels come round one?
0: Yeah, look in terms of caps, Moses Sorovi thirty nine, James Tuttle forty nine, Ryan Lawrence thirty three, and he has thirty two additional caps in MLR and top uh, Japan League one. So he is the most experienced, at kind of like at a high level provincial level across, in more of a global sense. But James Tuttle has the most Super Rugby caps. Now, I personally would probably be sticking with James Tuttle because he had ac- actually edged out Joe Powell there at the end of twenty twenty two. And there's a lot to be said for Carter Gordon starting the season with the player that he ended the season with inside of him. So I'd be really keen to see James Tuttle and Carter Gordon kind of starting at nine and 10 and then having Serovian Lahrens battling it out for the, um, the, backup nine spot of 21. Now, I will just quickly say before we go that they, the Rebels have signed Tim Cardell, Angelo Smith, and uh, Valoni Equasi. So, Cardell and Angelo Smith are both locks. And so, yeah, they're yep. supposedly pretty highly rated by the Rebels establishment, but that's very, very positive that they have been able to get some more backup in those locking areas, even though they still won't have as much experience as other teams. Yeah, yep.
2: Definitely. So if we look at the fly halves now, then we've got Carter Gordon, Mason Gordon, and Nick juiced the biggest area for me, for the rebels this year is if Carter Gordon does go down injured, the, the experience and the, I guess, ability level drops off quite significantly for those two backup players. How do you think the rebels are going to sort of manage that throughout the season? For me, uh, it's Nick Joost steps in. So he
0: played a few games for the Rebels last year, um, stepping in at um, fullback, particularly when I think Hodge wasn't um, playing. So he, he kind of was a bench player for four of his games, but then he actually started the final game of the season at 15 against the Highlanders that they won. And he was really, really impressive within that game in, imposing himself within the plays this is kind of like second ball at the back plays coming in from 15. it wouldn't surprise me if they just slot him in at 10 and then let someone like hodge just sit at 15 for the um entirety of the season so he would probably be the backup playmaker i think mason gordon's probably a little bit too young by my yeah he's a bit of a
2: development player yeah yep
0: yeah. so yep. that's how i'd fix it anyway
2: all right. And uh, with the outside backs, like there's a, a bit of a wealth of talent there. They've got three spots, really uh, Lockie Anderson, Reese Hodge, Montejuani, Andrew Kellaway, Joe Pincus, and Glenn who as well, have both shown uh, at, at times that they're, they've got the ability to break the line and to, to sort of set things up for their centers. How do you see the Rebels? Actually, sorry, not Glenn Glen not Glenn Vihue's Vahoo, the younger brother of David. Uh, or maybe the other no, way around. Other way around. David, David's the younger Yeah, so Glenn, Glenn is the is. one I'm thinking yep. of. David's the new signing. Um. Yeah. Yep. So Great. Glenn Vaihu then, uh, he does have... He, he has. He's known to give away a few penalties and give away a, a, a sneaky red card now and then through poor tackle technique. But those other players, like Anderson, Resolge, Montuani, Andrew Kellaway, Joe Pincus, how do you fit all of them into a 23?
0: Yeah, look, it's really, really hard. I don't even know who they're going to go with for their starting centre combination. Um, I don't know who will be playing 12 and 13. I'd probably like to see maybe Stacey, Illy and Ray Nuu at 12 and 13, respectively. Uh, Although Lucas Ripley was playing well in the opportunities he got on the wing, although he's listed as centres within um, what we've seen. So yeah i'd probably go with illy and Nuu just for the experience that they bring i mean illy's got 22 caps Nuu's only got 8 um the thing about ray Nuu is that he's actually leaving at the end of the season so he's signed with colomière in the pro d de so pro d de i should say um so he is not going to be around so how much how many games do you put into a new zealand uh player a kiwi player who's not going to be at the club in 2024 so that'll be a tough one for them to judge as a coaching staff. But outside backs, for me, you just go Reese Hodge, Monti Uwani, Andrew Kellaway as your starting three outside backs. So um, Hodge at 15 and then Yuani and Kellaway at 11 and 14, respectively. And just keep them like that. Uh, and if one of them gets injured, then you slot in maybe Lucky Anderson or Glenn
2: Vaihu in there. Yep, definitely. But then it, that raises questions whether you have one of those players on the bench or not for the, the 23. So, um mm without their mm. versatility uh interesting to see what happens there let's uh let's keep moving um no no we've got to stick on this here photo for a second yep, yep. yeah so we'll stop here for a second
0: and we'll just um we need to talk about the state of uh australian rugby and we're going to talk about it for about an hour now for those of you who are audio yep. listeners we have a photo of Ryan ryan allowance up here and it actually comes from i think 2021 and Dear God, his biceps are just absolutely incredible. So for any, any thirsty uh, men or women out there that need some bicep action, just look up Ryan Warens. He is a specimen of a human uh, and is one of the best reasons why you can encourage your wives, girlfriends, female friends, or anybody who is inclined to like a good bicep uh, to go and watch The Rebels <laughs> because, yeah, oh,
2: it's good. All right, moving on. So... I would just say, Ando was saying before we started recording, he's bought his ticket for Super Round this weekend. So Mm, he's going down mm. to Melbourne. And he said the reason he's going down to Melbourne this year is to try and catch Ryan Lowrens in the flesh. So, Yep. Yep. That's without a doubt the only reason I've forked out the money to go. Uh,
0: So, (laughs) I'm very, very excited. It's going to be good. But we move now to our most valuable (laughs) players. So I'm going to talk about why I think Trevor Hosea is the most valuable player. And then you can choose mm-hmm. from any of the others. So we've got Trevor Hosea, Rhys Hodge, Andrew Kellaway, and Monty Iwani. So Andrew um, Trevor Hosea is the most valuable player within the Rebels setup, not because he's the best player, but because if he gets injured or doesn't recapture some of his 2021 form, then the Rebels locking departments are incredibly thin and lacking in experience at a super rugby level. And they're really going to be struggling in some of the key areas of the game, like your lineouts and your malls and your scrums, etc. So Trevor Hosea is the key forward within the entirety of the rebel setup. And they need him to be fit and firing, ready to go for round one and play as many minutes as he can in good form throughout the season.
2: I'll, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just keep moving on then, I guess. I don't think there's else to say. I mean, we, we could talk <laughs> about some of the forwards as well around how they're... Um, when it comes to sort of the the backup and and that's a, I guess a general theme for the rebels that they've got great starting players but then the the backup doesn't have quite the experience or um, yet knowledge that the starting players do have. Uh, some of their forwards as uh, their front row or their props as well could be considered most valuable players. But I think we highlighted when we went through the squad that they do have a little bit of depth there. Um, they do have a little bit of room to move. But as you highlighted, Ando in the second row really, without Trevor Hosea and with Matt Phillip both out injured, um, they're going to struggle should, should they pick up an injury. So um, I think for me personally, a player like Andrew Kellaway is going to be so vital to the success of the Rebels moving forward. He needs to be firing in 2023 for them to have any real chance at um, sort of putting together a game plan realistically. He has shown, both him and Rhys Hodge together, in 2022, when those both, both those players, when either Andrew Kelly was injured or Reese Hodge wasn't firing or was um, suspended, when the players came in underneath them, they just looked lost in the back backline and they didn't know what to do. They didn't know where they were going. Carter Gordon as a is a young, inexperienced fly half. He has the skills to be a really good fly half in the coming years, but at, he needs his outside players around him to sort of stamp, stand up, give him a little bit of direction straight in the line at times and Andrew Kellaway and Rhys are those players who are definitely going to be able to do that. Yeah. Good shout on all those fronts. Um, look, I think research, Andrew Kellaway and Monte, Iwani, they
0: kind of speak for themselves about why they're most valuable players. Uh, so I'm pretty happy for us
2: to be moving on for this. If that's okay with you, mate. Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, all let's right. go, let's finish things up with our season predictions. Alright, I'll take us through this. So, strengths. they The Rebels really clearly have a
0: combative pack. They are more than capable of matching it with teams within a forward play, so we highlighted the front row and the quality of players within the front and back rows, obviously the issues within the locks, but they can match it for large parts of the game with any team in the competition. They additionally have some really high quality individual players within their back line. But unfortunately, it's players who maybe haven't played a huge amount of rugby together or in particular combinations with the players inside or outside of them. And so it might take a little bit of time for them to develop that relationship with the players so that they can kind of read each other's minds without having to have that verbal conversation that comes with experience. Additionally, weaknesses. Weaknesses. We've already mentioned their depth. I'm not convinced that they have a particularly strong centres um, centre options. So let me just read out the Super Rugby caps of the listed centres that they have. Okay, so starting with 22, eight, six, zero, 0. Those are their centres, and that yeah, is it's really worrying, disappointing. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, disappointing is the wrong word. Worrying is the right word. And I mean, you can move somebody maybe like Glenn Vihu into 13 or Lucas Ripley, or Andrew Kellaway, but then you're taking a good player and putting them into a position that they're not so good at. So for example, Andrew Kellaway, one of the best players in the whole of super rugby in 2021. And he was incredible for the Wallabies as well. Come 2022, he gets moved around between fullback wing and center for a large part of the season. And his form, drops understandably and he yeah it was really by the standards that he'd set nowhere near as good so you don't want yep. to be moving a player of that quality into a position that I'm unfamiliar with so centers is a concern so those are my comments on their strengths and weaknesses do you agree disagree have further comments that you wanted to add
2: i guess one of the other weaknesses i can think of for uh just the general or the whole like 23 for the rebels is they're not a particularly big or strong uh, team. They're quite, like, there's no big players. You, you've got Kubus elof is a, a bigger player, but you don't have any one of the sort of stature. Um, Pone Falmasilli is another one, but you don't have any Taniela Tupos. You don't have an enforcer like um, Lockie Swinton or um, Jed Holloway, Harry Wilson, those types of players. You've got players like Brad Wilkin who can put in big shots, but they're not necessarily known for their kind of um, aggressiveness and, and abrasiveness around the field, and when you think of the rebels, you kind of don't necessarily think of them as a team that's going to bash up the opposition and you know push them around and sort of shape them to the sort of form that they the rebels want them to be doing or pushing them out of their own shapes. They again, it's something that's sort of been a theme for them for the last few years. Is they haven't really, particularly in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty one to some degree as well. They never really had a a strong game plan that you sort of go, okay, this is how the Rebels play. This is how they're going to score points. Last year, it took them three games or something to score a single try. And it was a very opportunistic try when it came to it. So I think the Rebels really need to sort of figure out how they're going to play rugby. And it's not necessarily the uh, brash, abrasive style that some of the sort of Kiwi teams or the South African teams tend to play. I think they need to be really... Um, clinical in their kicking uh, approach, the sort of the finesse of the the game to be able to move the ball around quickly and into space to sort of get the opposition out of line and out of shape and to sort of attack at that. Um, that's the kind of area that I can see them excelling at. But at the moment, I don't think they have the experience or the players with the right amount of game time together to be able to really do that and have that cohesive element. Yep. So some good thoughts and comments there. I mean, one
0: of the concerns I have moving forward when we, when we consider where players are going to be throughout 2023 and then after the world cup is you've got some of their key players like Matt Phillip is off contract at the end of 2023. It would not surprise me with where he's at with his career if he goes overseas and tries to get a payday. Um, and I wouldn't begrudge him that, but then where does that leave the rebels? And so it's continually that idea of, um, Player recruitment, player development that they've struggled with for a while. But I'm actually quite impressed with where Nick Styles as a GM has been moving. The organization over the last two or three years, they're promoting a lot more from Victorian pathways and trying to bring academy players through, rather than just getting um kind of star recruits and p- filling a hole for a year or two before they jet off into the sunset for another payday somewhere else. So, I mean, Josh Cannon was great last year. He was one of the star kind of locks for the Rebels throughout twenty twenty two. Hopefully, he can have another big year. But they they need to strike the balance between um, the development of Broader squad players and players to get them experience, but also trying to keep as many of their wellbees and best players on the field for as many minutes as they possibly can. It's a difficult balance, and I don't envy Kevin Foote with that at all. But we had them placing at 10th or below, which is, I'm sorry, Rebels fans, we don't inherently dislike you. Uh, you are on the Eastern Coast, so therefore we like you. Uh, so we we just um, family. You're definitely part of the family. All, all Australian rugby teams are part of the family. But it's just it's just hard to see where the wins are going to come from considering some of the injuries and depth issues that they have. So do you think that's fair, 10th or below, mate?
2: Yeah, I just, I think, uh, I mean, I feel like we're going over and over the same sort of points throughout this, yeah. this preview. But one or two key injuries to the 23, and they're going to really struggle to feel that. Uh, it almost feels like they need to sign one or two big plays in the in the middle of the season, try and lure someone home for 2024 if they can, if it's not too late, um, 2024, 2025, get a big player like Willie Skelton back and, and get him running around in the second row. That would be absolute gold for a team like this. So um, I think they're going to have a really big off season after 2023 if they can sort of get their way through Super Rugby and sort of don't lose too many players through the process. Um, And sort of reset from there and sort of think about who they can bring in, who's going to have big impact and and sort of look longevity through um, 2024, 2025, home through to the homework World Cup in 2027.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at their matches throughout the season. I mean, because you don't play every team home and away and yep. in a way it's a bit of a waste that they're playing both the rebels and the sorry that the rebels are playing both the blues and the crusaders at home i'd almost prefer them for their sake to have played the blues and crusaders away because they're unlikely to win both those games um but then save their home matches for a team like moana or uh the highlanders that they have a better chance at winning so i don't think the draw is as much in a, in a favor as it could be so I think our prediction of 10th is realistic, even if I want them yeah. as an Aussie team to be doing better. Yep, yeah, for sure. Awesome. All right, mate. Well, I think that's it from our end. I think we've 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 gone through the team as best we can. Uh, a couple of things that we do want to highlight. We are going to be going down. Both Mitch and I have our tickets booked for the super round down in Melbourne. So, Rebels fans, we do love you. We do care. We are going to be coming down to Melbourne to watch the festival of rugby that's going to be on at Marvel stadium. And we're very excited for that. Make Amy sure Park that, actually, if you... but yeah. Oh, sorry. Amy Park, not Marvel, my mistake, Amy Park. Um, yep. But please be making sure that you get in touch. If you want to have a catch up or grab a beer before one of the games or something, we'd be more than happy to catch up and say good day. In addition to that, yep. um, we do want to keep thanking everybody who has done two particular th- or three particular things. Number one, the discord community that we have, uh, growing at the moment is wonderful the amount of chat and conversations that are going on between different people is absolutely fantastic and it's such a positive and welcoming place for people to come and just talk rugby so make sure you get involved Don't be worried if you haven't used Discord before. It's really uh, not that confusing once you kind of wrap your head around it for the first couple of minutes. And (laughs) many friendly people are there to help you out if you do need any help. So go to our profile on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram and you should
2: be able to find it from there. Um, In addition... And just on that point too, like we've got got conversations going on around Super Rugby. We've got conversations around Six Nations. We've got trial games we've got local competitions in new south wales queensland perth victoria like we've got people from all over the world in this discord server and we've got conversations and threads set up to talk about any form of rugby you want to talk about so don't just think it's super rugby don't think it's just waratahs it's a lot of waratahs i will admit there are a lot of waratahs <laughs> Sorry. Fans in there Sorry. Yep which is fine we didn't set it up that way we want more rebels fans we want more force fans we probably don't need more reds fans because realistically who needs more red fans but um, everyone else who's just a fan of australian rugby do get involved because it's a great place we want to promote uh local clubs too so if you are connected with a shoot shield club with a john dent cup team with a just a subbies club like Do get involved, promote your clubs. Mm -hmm. We want to hear your stories in there as well. We want to be able to create a space where you can have those conversations throughout the season. We want to hear how your teams are tracking throughout the season as well. Also, as you mentioned, Endo, shout out to everyone that was involved over the weekend with the trials. It was so good to be able to keep, like, as I said, I wasn't able to watch the Waratahs game live, so I was able to follow what was happening roughly through just the conversations that were in there. So in a lot of ways everyone that is involved is doing better work than the super rugby sides at the moment in promoting the game and to keeping the the conversation flowing so do get involved it's a really really cool space we absolutely love it and then a final thing is if you like what we do uh,
0: we would really appreciate it if you could do maybe two things for us number one drop a review on any of the podcast platforms that you're using so if it's um, on Apple Podcasts if it's on Spotify whatever you use please drop us a review give us five stars if we deserve it and leave us some positivity because it does help out in getting the gospel of rugby out to other people and then lastly for those who are inclined we do this for love not money and any financial support that you can provide at ko-fi.com slash pick and drive would be absolutely wonderful we have a few people that have committed to giving us a, a few dollars every month and it's really really helpful in providing some of the new recording and uh, recording gear that we're using both at games and for our weekly recordings so thank you very much for that it's been a pleasure I think that's it mate over an hour on the rebels everybody should be stoked yep. that we've done that and we'll get an interview with somebody from the rebels to you as soon as we possibly can
2: fantastic and do if you are listening to the podcast do remember we are on YouTube now as well so we actually are putting up some other videos that not aren't necessarily coming out on our uh, plat- podcast platform on YouTube as well so we did put our interviews up from the sevens over the weekend so if you are interested in looking at any of that content um even the interviews we do with the coaches and the players we're we're trying our best to do on this platform as well so we do have the video so we're putting that up so if you do want to see see what it looks like to see us interviewing one of the players do go to youtube and and get involved that way um awesome yeah thanks everyone for getting this point we'll uh we'll be back next week with either the Reds or the Brumbies. Not sure yet, but we'll be
0: back. Depending who we get an interview with first. So we'll be back with one of those teams. Very excited. Thank you so much, everybody, and we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye.